Welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Creative Innovation Podcast. I nearly ran out of breath then. How are you doing? Welcome. Are you good? I hope you got up to something exciting. I hope you're managing to get creative and it's not all about staring at that screen. No work. Overthinking. (laughs) I'm saying that because we had a really popular recent episode with CK Golding discussing overthinking. Go and check out the episode. Really, really popular for a reason. Um, The weather this week is colour plan. Yep, got G.F. Smith's Jane Crowther on board to talk paper, print and the tactile. It's a really deep, great episode. Uh, I think you're going to love it. There's lots of stories. There's some great heritage. These guys got all the way back to 1885. But we'll get into that momentarily with a little more depth. But first, a thank you to the sponsors that keep this show free for you guys. Illustrationweb.com, my agency representing over 150 artists, illustrators, lettering specialists, large-scale workers, mural artists, gift makers, animators, fashion designers, fashion illustrators. It goes on and on and on. They're a fantastic company doing a lot of work to support the arts um, with great people. So go and check them out. They've got a wonderful news section on the website going into depth on projects, discussing client relationships, all sorts of good stuff. Um, they're a really fun bunch of people who've been representing me for going on a decade, I think now, uh, just shy of a decade, because I'm, I'm coming up on 10 years of my own freelance illustration career, and these guys have been there right since the early days. Um, gave me a massive leg up, and we have a great relationship. So go and have a look. Anyway, great people, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, my tech sponsor. These guys do all sorts of awesome work in the, in the digital world with SEO advice, social media advice, uh, hosting, domain names, uh, all sorts of web tools. That they're really great. If you're up on your SEO um, and want to see all the information on your websites, they're, they're fantastic people for that. So go and check them out, heartinternet.co.uk. And as per, they provide a digital tip on these episodes. Um, and as you'll hear in the conversation coming up with Jane from GF Smith, uh, if there was ever an industry for fluctuating trends and, and patterns and popularity, it's it's paper because I guess they're a reflection of what's going on in the digital world. So as Jane will describe, uh, when everything went digital and people weren't using print so much, they had to adapt uh, and the emphasis has changed. So they're going to get into all that stuff. But in that story, I think is a great lesson about staying fluid and about embracing uh, the various platforms and making them work for each other and not relying upon one because it can end, they can change, they can dip, they can rise and it can leave you right out in the cold if you're not very careful. So listen to that story. I think it's something worth uh, really applying to your own medium, whatever your practice is. It's good to, to get away from the desk, to get out into the in the real world and talk to people. And then it's good to follow that up with digital and just keep it varied, I think, is the message. And that is courtesy of heartinternet.co.uk. Uh, my tech sponsor, of course, for this show, Rest All the Mix. Uh, last but very not least, the Association of Illustrators, great organisation looking after the illustration industry, pricing, uh, business queries, all sorts, uh, the technical side of it, they're there to support us and all the things that we don't want to do but we really have to do as professional and aspiring illustrators. So go and check out their work, theaoi.com, great people. Uh, and of course, huge thank you to GF Smith who, who gave me the time with Jane for today's show. But also, you may have seen on the social channels, I've been creating a bespoke series of hand-painted massive posters um, which are going to be on display very soon. Uh, we're hoping to get them up at Design Manchester with GF Smith. Uh, going to create a nice little flyer campaign. It's about time I started to promote this thing and really get behind it because the numbers are going up. People are loving it. So thank you for anyone who's supported it in, in, in such a way because it does mean a lot and it's really important for me. So big thank you to those guys. Uh, they're going to tell you all about that story today. 
So what's going on? Like I say, let us know, please. Get me your work over, your stories, let me know what you've been up to. I've had quite a number of approaches recently. Some of them have become episodes. Some of them are about to become episodes. Some of them are conversations in the pipeline that might become episodes. So whatever the story, let us know, please. Don't be, don't be, don't be shy. Get that stuff shared. Let me know what you've been up to and you never know where it might lead. Even if it's just a bit of an ideas session, you just you really don't know. So, so give us a shout to that end. So Jane Crowther, Jane works with GF Smith in primarily the Manchester region, but it's all over the place. She's based out of Manchester. Her role is varied. She's going to tell us all about it today. She's been with the company a whopping 20 years. Uh, and actually, a big congrats to Jane for just achieving a promotion. Uh, she works hard. She's a face on the scene. And ever since I moved back to Manchester and got Studio M1 in the city centre, She's around, the brand is around, there's a lot of designers in this building doing great collaborations with GF Smith, working closely with them, and it's a name that I hadn't heard too often before I, I moved back, I'll, I'll, I'll confess. But when I, I talked to people like Laura Bost from LJB Studio, uh, Dave Sedgwick Studio, DBD, Micah Pernell, all previous guests on the show for a good reason, um, they, they were working with these guys and collaborating, and they're very supportive of the arts, and I, I, honestly, I, I really do... You really should go and get on the GF Smith website, gfsmith.com, and just read. go to the About section and read the story, read the history, because it's amazing, it's absolutely hilarious. Some of the stories on the timeline going back from 1885 are amazing. And my point is that in the 60s there was this big uh, rise in graphic design because it was the first time the UK was producing graphic design courses, making them available for the public. Uh, and also colour television around that time. We're going to talk about that and why people's ideas exploded because they were exposed to colour visuals more. And those, those guys are so spoiled, right, with tablets, with laptops, with little computers in our pockets. We're never away from colour and visual overload. But imagine that explosion on the scene at the time from black and white and why that was so important. So, yeah, you know, my point is they're, they're big advocates and big supporters of the design uh, industry and visual arts. So do go and check out the story because it's absolutely amazing and I had such a good... Just such a good time reading it. Um, there's a story in there about... Just give me a second and let's have a look. Um, and it's from 1899, right? So here we go. Look, Thomas Brooks Smith travels by boat to North America in an attempt to source papers from a Strathmore paper mill. Thomas finds it almost impossible to meet with the mill's founder, Horace Moses, and decides to visit him at home unannounced on a Saturday uh, I've had guests, just for the record, we've had guests on the show who've actually done that, turned up at the offices unannounced, but that's another story. <laughs> um, the visit is not going well. That is until Mr Moses arrives at the house in a state of panic. The organist, due to play at church that day, has been taken ill. Thomas, an accomplished pianist, steps in. The Moses family are so impressed with the impromptu recital that they have Thomas's luggage brought from the local hotel and insist that he spends the rest of his stay at their house as a guest. Quite apart from earning the respect of Moses, Thomas's offer of help is a catalyst to a lasting partnership between the two companies. In 1900, GF Smith becomes the exclusive merchant for Strathmore throughout Britain and mainland Europe. How good is that? Um, as someone who had to go through a beg, steal or borrow and continues to have to go through a beg, steal or borrow mentality to make my business work, you've just got to love that stuff. Any, I think any freelancers will get that, but what a great story right at the beginning of their journey or very early into their journey. So I don't really know where I'm going with that, but I just think you should go and check it out on the, our story section on the GF Smith website, gfsmith.com. So that's enough for the thank yous anyway. Cheers for listening as ever. I'm going to let Jane Crowther of GF Smith tell you this story better than I ever could. I want your feedback on social at Arrest All Mimics. No, it's good, but i tell you what, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, it's my own ignorance, but I really didn't know 
the whole backstory that like I was looking at, I was reading up on the website, yeah. the whole history of the company, I see. So, but some of the stories in there are amazing. Yeah, from GF Smith. Yeah. Yeah, you still talk to people now, and they're kind of, even especially people from Hull don't realise that Smith's is there. Yeah. And I think doing City of Culture last year kind of made a lot of people aware that there is this sort of like multinational company, yeah. international company, that actually is based in Hull. Yeah. And the actual, the two brothers were, um, well, they were two nephews, uh, two, well, you know, two brothers, two Smith brothers, and the other one set up Smith and Nephew, the big um, pharmaceutical company based up in Hull. Yeah. Yeah. It so. is amazing, actually, what's on a lot of doorsteps that people are really oblivious to. Yeah. So how long have you been? How long have you been? 20 years on the 1st of November. Wow, okay. So you're coming up on 20 years of GS Smith, so I'm coming up on 10 years of freelance. Wow. Yeah, about 10 years in November, which is kind of mind-bending. Yeah. Do you feel the same? Is it quite like, where's that gone? I think the first 10 years I did, because I think that was a whole different era and a different age and different way people worked. But sort of this last 10 years, because I mean, I'm 44 now, so I started at Smith's when I was 25. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with age, but also the way that it's just so busy. And now this sort of like, now I'm hitting 20 years, I can honestly say I'm enjoying it more than I've ever enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. And, and what's, what do you that's down to? Customers. Yeah. Um, just a community. I don't know if it's because I'm lucky with Manchester, but Manchester's got such an amazing community who all want to work together. I mean, everybody in this building is mm. happy to work together. Well, that's how I know you. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I'd, I'd say, and I think people are, we're going back to this stage of, reprinting and printing beautiful things which use paper whereas five ten years ago print had kind of stopped because we were, we were all texting we were all sending emails we were all sending you know virtual documents and people have realized that actually it's quite nice to actually receive something in the post again mm. i mean law is a bit both the law is a big advocates of that you know there's nothing they love more than actually putting print on paper or making yeah. something out of paper um and I think there's just this massive love of creating your own thing and creating something beautiful and putting a lot of time and effort into it, mm. which is where Smith's fits in so well, probably better in the marketplace than we ever have done because we never change our format. We always sell beautiful, specific papers to people who want to create beautiful, specific things. Yeah, yeah. you hit up on a very common thread there where it went from this kind of it's, it became this amazingly convenient, rapid thing where you could almost reach anyone in, yeah. in no time from the comfort of your desk to, to what is now, in my opinion, everyone's completely bombarded and drowned out with, with mm. digital noise. And to break through that now, it's almost you, it's, it's, it's returned focus to, to the impact of holding something in your hands, the yeah. tactile. I think it's that, that actual live experience. So whether it's music or receiving something beautiful in the post and... Receiving something that people have actually put their heart and soul into means more than a weird text message. Mm. I mean, living with a 13-year-old daughter, she's constantly on her phone and it's all about Snapchat, it's all about you know staying in touch with people via that. But when you actually move her away from it, she is more stimulated when she draws or when she listens to music or when she goes and sees bands. Yeah. And I think we just need to make people aware that that's okay. Yeah. You know, just because everybody else is constantly on social media doesn't mean that that is how it has to be. Well, yeah, and, and this, actually that's an interesting parallel with the gigs mm. thing. There's 
don't know about you, but every gig I've ever been to of any band that I cared about, sometimes bands I've been surprised by that I didn't even know about, but it's a personal, unique experience yeah. that can never be replicated. Yeah. That, it doesn't matter if it's the same set list, and the, you know, it's good. Even if it's just something as simple as the, the singer's got their hair in a different style, yeah. or they play that B side, and it's just, but it's how you felt and how you were yeah. there, and I, I think that reflects back to that receiving of something that someone yeah. has sent you, not every other person on the planet. It's about know. connection, isn't it? Yeah. It's about connecting with a band or feeling that it's personal to you. I mean, she'll stand at the front of a stage and feel like the singer was singing to her, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's singing to a whole audience. But it's mm-hmm. it's that connection. And I think to give somebody something that's been beautifully printed on a beautiful piece of paper creates a connection because you want to know what it is. You want to know why they've spent that, you know, that money on a product or what what message are they trying to... It opens so many more questions. Yeah. Positive and negative because people, if say if some of the art galleries do something with beautiful paper, there's always the question, well... How did they, their non-profit, how did they manage to afford to do that? But that's where we will always work in conjunction with places that are basically classed as a charity, that we will always work on them and support them so that there is no cost involvement, but they're getting exactly what they want and it's creating the right message for their, you know, for them Mm -hmm. to connect and, you know, realign themselves with their audience. Yeah, very much so, yeah. And and also it's just that... You know, so it goes back to the whole word of mouth thing. It's the takeaway thing, and you you've got something to keep, something that's beautiful, and as as you say, it's been considered. So that's you know, crucial, I think. Now, especially with the amount of people on there, you know, it's great having the online thing, but it's just so. No, it is, and I think it's a valuable tool, and I think it's a valuable tool for businesses, or freelancers, or you know yeah. anybody that's trying to get a message across. It's a quick and simple way. Yeah. of grabbing people's attention if used correctly. So as a business format, it's amazing. I think when people start posting their personal lives, then it becomes a bit unnecessary. Yeah. You know, if you've got a personal issue, go and speak to somebody about it. Yeah, the world sure. doesn't need to know. Yeah. And I think you lose people's interest when you start posting things that aren't relevant. Whereas if you need a quick a quick effect to say you're launching a product or do people want to come or do they want me to come into the studio, it's 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 immediate. Yeah. And it's a positive thing. Well very much so, and it crystallises it and um just going back as I mentioned to the whole ten year thing. Mm. Absolutely pivotal for me starting out and, and any student asks for advice, tell them straight away, send something in the post, get on the phone, go and yeah. try and get a coffee out. Even if you only get one out of the twenty people you approach that will build a, that starts something and there's a foundation there so that every digital communication then means something more mm. because you know who it's come from you yeah. know that conversation or how you felt about them hopefully that's a good way <laughs> yeah I mean we've got some new new people starting who are going to go out on the road and do what what I do and what the other members of the team do and the first thing we always say to them is you know make that connection make that connection with even if you've got five go-to people that when you're not having a good day, you know you can always phone them or you can call in because they'll have more. They might not buy anything off you, but they'll have more information about what's going on in the area, and it just centres you again. But it's that one-to-one communication again, which then sort of like spurs you on to then go and have the confidence to go and speak to other people. Yeah. But also, if you don't know the answer to the question, say you don't, and say you'll go back with it. Yeah. At another time, there's no point lying to people no you're right and I think this is becoming more and more of an honest industry where people see through that and sort of see you know who's genuine and who's not but they really do authenticity is important yeah. in this stuff because we are 
a very few people I think do it exclusively for money because that's not the way creativity tends to work no. and, and, and there's so many barriers and, and things cause tests you mm -hmm. know so I think yeah it was a reflection of that so what about your role then what is that just gives a little brief rundown of what, of what, you, um, what you do so I've just been promoted oh congrats I am now um, UK text and cover country sales team leader wow um Yes, it's going to need very big business cards for that one. <laughs> you can put your like, degrees after it in brackets as well, just to lengthen There's it. none of those in there, no. It's all self-taught. Yeah, nobody wants to go to my university. Um, so my role before was to... Um, the beauty of Smiths is it's not direct sales. So the company has always been very aware that you could talk to somebody about a project, it could happen the next week, it could happen six months down the line. Mm. There is no way to quantify, particularly with sales figures, um, in an area. It's more about getting out there and seeing people and showing them the products. Um, so my role has always been to call on designers, printers, paper merchants, art galleries, a lot of student lectures. So we're tied in with all the sort of like years one to three in university. Because, again, that's so important. I mean, I always joke and say it's early brainwashing, but I think just making them aware that paper in small quantities, if used correctly, can be so important and such an important piece of design uh -huh. that I just try and, you know, instill, you know, sort of instill that in their young, impressionable minds. But everybody always leaves the room stroking paper and smiling and sort of making <laughs> R noises, so I must be doing something right. Yeah. Um... And that's sort of always how the job's been. Um, the country reps always have many hats, so we have to call on every sort of possibility that's going to use or need to use our paper. Um, the beauty of Smiths is, I'd say, 75% of your calls is people asking to see you, rather than having to go and you know be constantly mm. knocking on doors. But again, I think that comes with a period of time to company and building relationships. Yeah. Um, the London reps tend to be more specific, so the London reps tend to only call on designers, end users, you know, be it fashion designers or things like that. And then, but the country reps have to do a bit of everything. So now, on top of still keeping hold of Manchester and the North West, I am now sort of looking after the team that does the rest of the country sales. Wow. Which is exciting because we've got quite a new guy on the team who's very up and ready and ready to go we've just had a guy in training who's ready to go out on the road and we've got a new girl starting on Monday so it's all sort of really exciting so it's quite a new fresh team that all get to be led by me wow <laughs> <laughs> that's a mini ease about the country that's fantastic so that's exciting it's um it's going to be a challenge but it's going to be amazing yeah so yeah it's just, it's not, I mean, I was looking through the, the history yesterday, which, which blew me away, like the, particularly like some of the early early stories of going off to the States and initially being rejected. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to, you know, sort of say in the intro, they can tell people to go and just go and read that because yeah. it's, it's worth the time taken to, to just touch upon the history. But what really leapt out at me was the kind of advent of graphic design courses in the 60s and how yeah. that was, I, I mean, if I'm right in saying, identified as a, as a key sector to work with. Um, definitely, and I think the beauty of our sort of, you can see it in our heritage collection, um, we've got swatches that go back to sort of the 1920s, um, and you see very much how graphic design has influenced, you know, 
a lot of industry. I mean, they talk about taking art out of schools now, which is ridiculous, because who's going to design what everybody sees visually? Yeah. Um, but very key to... So the 60s were very key, and sort of when they brought the colour television in, you could see on our swatches how all of a sudden there was a lot more coloured print, mm. whereas everything before that had been either quite monotone or traditional processes of sort of your foiling and your, and your um, letterpress. All of a sudden, when colour television came in, print became more vibrant because people were seeing things they'd never seen before. Mm. Um, and I think graphic design throughout the decades is very, very relevant to every sector of industry. Mm-hmm. And we've been very fortunate that we, we always find products that run alongside that um, and complement what, you know, the era of graphic design is at the time. Yeah. But looking over our heritage from sort of the 1920s, you can see in the swatches what was relevant at the time. It's almost like a, a documented history of typography yeah. and, and design because each decade has a very different feel to it. Yeah. Um, but we've always used graphic design as, as a really important part to get our message across because it's relevant to what everybody's seeing every day, whether they understand what graphic design is or not. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting sort of history of graphic design from, you know, the start of the century right the way through to today. Well, yeah. And, and if ever there was an industry to remain fluid in, yeah. it's design and the, and the speed things move at, you yeah. know, um, which is really intriguing, really, to see how that's transformed over the years. I remember turning up at college and I, I mean, I, I, you, don't, you don't even know it as a young creative. You know, it's, it's this geeky thing that you don't even kind of know that you like. But I remember turning up with a book of the Metal Gear Solid video game artwork and it had all these beautiful kind of end papers in there, like translucent. And I just, even subconsciously, it's just yeah. like you carry the thing around the house sitting there and I'm just kind of stroking the papers yeah. because it's beautiful even if and you know at that stage I didn't have a clue about using them in my work about printing and then turning up with budget sketchbooks on the other hand but it takes time to kind of start appreciating that yeah. which is really interesting to your point about going and chatting to students oh that's vital it could be overlooked for years before anyone the penny drops kind of thing yeah I think Smith has always been very <clears throat> very keen on interacting with students um, I mean that's it it kind of people when you tell people that you're going to talk to students about paper. I mean, still to this day, I walk into a, a lecture room with forty students there and think, "Yeah, they're thinking, why is this woman coming in talking to us about paper?" And from the from the start, there'll be probably five out of the forty that get paper and love paper. But by the end of it, when you show them one how paper's made, um, the relevance of fibres that go into the paper to make the paper better or more, you know, more translucent or less translucent, more opaque. So the whole recipe factor to making paper right the way through to then how we show it to people. Mm. And then when they actually go out and creating their own business cards, we'll always support them um, because a business card is so important. You know, I always say a good business card is like a good handshake. You always remember it for the right reasons. Yeah. A bad business card is like a really bad handshake. It kind of, you either wipe your hand down afterwards <laughs> or put the business card in the bin. And I think, yeah. you know, it's the relevance of just that thought Yeah. Um, and portraying themselves. And I think people put a lot more of themselves into graphic design now and students are more aware of that than ever. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's it's a reflection of you and who you are. Yeah. So if you don't put the time and effort into it, it will reflect in your work. Well, it's true, and again, it can elevate something, uh, to, you know, above outside, you know, it can raise it above the crowd essentially. 
again take again having worked with with Laura Bost in there, so I, I, I kind of found out about you guys because she absolutely loves the, the yeah. papers and and it was her passion, but for for surfaces and textures, it certainly took my mm. appreciation to another level of it, and it's quite infectious. Like we said about this, yeah. this kind of community we have in graphic design, people do. It it's is weirdly infectious. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a healthy infection to have this yeah. love of paper and and how things look and how things feel before you even know what the story is they're trying to tell. Yeah. You know, I always also always say that, you know, if you were to receive five envelopes through the door and four were brown and one was red, which one would you open first? <laughs> You're going to go, well, hopefully you'd go for the red one. Yeah. But then it's, if you pick it up and then it feels nice as well, you you want to know what it's about mm-hmm. before, you know, it's it's a clever use of a product that's that's available everywhere. Yeah. That's very true, actually. Yeah, that the, yeah, even just the surface of it can it makes it feel more important, more, yeah. more urgent, essential. But if you engage with the touch and the texture and it becomes quite tactile, you're kind of like... But like you say, when you leave a room, when you've had 40 students in there and you've left the room and they're all stroking swatches and, <laughs> and purring over paper and the smell of print, you know, you kind of walk out and go, yeah, my job here is done. <laughs> that, I just don't know who laughing. That sounds like some kind of um, basement meet-up among like, those who are really into it, stroking swatches to say. Those are really weird paper geeks. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm usually at the front of the queue. Probably with Laura Bowes, to be fair. <laughs> so, what, what was the, the, the... When you started your role, was what, what did you have much knowledge in this area? Was it... How did the rock about in the first place? I'm interested. Um, so... Yeah. Um, did really well in my GCSEs, went to do my A-levels, went from a private school to my local high school and discovered boys and alcohol. And um, my academic skills took quite a large nosedive. So when I left uh, sixth form, I didn't have enough to go to university, which is what I wanted to do to study drama. Um, started a summer job, ended up staying there for two years and then a job became available at my dad's paper merchants in Salford Mm. Um, just doing filing and general office admin and a bit of inside sales work so I joined there when I was 21 and then GF Smith was always one of our suppliers Um, so I knew about Marlmark and Parchmark and we Mm. were like a local agent for GF Smiths. If people wanted to buy GF Smiths products in the area, they would come to Samuel Crowther's. We were all part of the same buying group, so we got preferential rates and things like that. So I was always very, very aware of the swatches. Um, you know, we'd always get the latest swatch, and we'd always have. I'd always have a conversation with the people in, at Smiths and everything. And when I was twenty-five, um, it was made aware to me that there was a job going as a Northwest sales rep for GF Smiths. Yeah. So I applied for it. Um, things had changed within my dad's business. My dad had left me and my dad had retired. It had been taken over by a larger company that didn't have the same ethos that Smiths has or Crowther's had. So I've come from that sort of old school, customers always right, treat people as you expect to be treated, which was yeah. very much how Smiths was and still is. And this job became available, I applied for it, and 20 years later, I joined Smith's. So I had a paper knowledge. Right. Um, I had a knowledge of how printers can be. I had a knowledge of, you know, the general area and um, what people were looking for, but very much on a print side of things. 
and just started to get to know the products more and was given literally at that point I was given a car database and told to be mm. you know off you go and do your best calling on designers um which was a whole new thing to me and slightly terrifying whereas I was used to that sort of burly printer especially old school printers <laughs> who kind of looked at you and went oh you're a girl <laughs> and yeah but if you know your stuff, you can kind of get over that. But at 25, I was probably quite green to all that. Yeah. So graphic designers were terrifying to me. I was kind of like, they're all like really creative and really like cool. And I'm so not cool. And still, I'm so not cool. I would say that uh, the vast majority of us feel like that inside when we... Oh, really? Yeah, so <laughs> I wish somebody had told me that. So much pretense. But again, yeah, nobody ever knows that up front. Everyone has to learn it the same way you've just described. <laughs> But I think there was quite an era then of the old school designers. So I know mm. you've interviewed Malcolm, and Malcolm's awesome, Malcolm yeah. Garrett. Um, but I think people were idolising graphic designers at that point. So there was yeah. this Peter Saville and mm. all the rest of it. And I remember going to an event he was at, and I was absolutely terrified. Um, and sort of like, but he's like, the you know, the person that is like God in the world of graphic design. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, but we're all human, and I think that's a, that's a life lesson that we all learn through yeah. age, um, as well as just sort of getting to know people. But then I think once you start embracing the fact that Manchester has an awesome community that mm-hmm. want to work together, yeah. You know, I do think I'm very fortunate in Manchester, and I think the atmosphere of Manchester has led to me to be able to be involved with projects that I am involved in. Um, but yeah, it was that whole fear of calling on graphic designers and just like, <laughs> but I'm like weird and corporate and I wear a suit to work and all the rest of it. Because that was how it was 20 years ago, you know, yeah. sales reps wore suits. Mm. And now the graphic art side of it is is like my favourite part of it. Yeah. Every day is different. Everybody's different. Everybody's doing different things. It gets you through so many doors you know, into places that you wouldn't necessarily call on, like art galleries and, you know, and venues that want to use your papers and stuff. I had a meeting with PDSA yesterday about projects and, you know, everybody understands that beautiful need for beautiful print and paper, but in small quantities. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I don't think it's a confident, I think once you realise that everybody is, everybody's still learning, Mm-hmm. I'm still learning, you know, Smith has still got another 20 years to put up with me. <laughs> so I'm always learning every day. And I think it just as long as you're aware that your customers are always learning every day mm-hmm. and your colleagues are always learning, but you have an open conversation with people, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And there's no need to be scared of, of these of these people because we're all human. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so true. Also, I think it's kind of, I think it's nice, I think it is quite important to learn it to a degree I mean to be terrified is, is probably not good but at the same time to be respectful and to find that yeah. out for yourself is a really enla- I found it really enlightening experience yeah. so you know, there's, there's other guys of that of that generation who are still very relevant now Adrian Shaughnessy was another yeah. one um, God I mean I could list so many but but, but it, every single one of them have been very warm very welcoming yeah. and you, if you didn't know what they did already there's no way you'd pick it up from no. their from their you know from their demeanour there's no, no way they're, they're, they're wonderful and they're often as interested in what I'm doing with this thing as, as, as yeah. I am in them which is very humbling to me yeah. as, as someone who grew up idolising them also yeah yeah so it's amazing is it fair to say that you've, you're given quite a, a, 
a good free reign in your yes. role. It seems like a company that really gets the importance of letting you do your thing and use uh, th- initiative. <laughs> um, we are to an extent, definitely. Um, because we're based in Hull, I don't have an office to call on. Mm. Um, so I'm based at home, which gives me the sort of the freedom to be able to, you know, get places when I need to be places. Um, there's a massive trust in our workforce you know everybody at Smith's is treated as an individual and the company cares about mm. every individual um, so yes we are uh, I think if you if you say to a lot of people who do repping that you know I'm out on the road but I work from home and there's that kind of like knowing look as if to say oh you work from home do you <laughs> yeah. and then there's that paperwork in mm. inverted commas but the job's got to be done and I want to do it to the best of my ability yeah. I mean, I think you've got to prove you can be left mm-hmm. to do your own thing, definitely. But that's just old school, yeah. you know, proving yourself, proving your, you know, your skills, whether they're whatever your skills are. And as soon as they can see that you are embracing the community and bringing, you know, the knowledge of Smiths to more people, then the more they kind of like relax and let you do mm-hmm. your own thing. I mean, I'm accountable for everything I do. Yeah which is, doesn't worry me because I know I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be yeah. doing. So to a sense, I think as a 25-year-old, I was always felt guilty. Yeah. You know, if I was working from home, I was like, oh my God, is somebody going to knock on the door? Are they going to believe I was working from home? And there was all these questions. <laughs> Wired. Yeah. Wired, Wired taps in. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of like, really? They're just letting me like go off and do my own thing. Whereas now it's like, yeah. You know, we engage with the company. The company takes a real interest in how people feel. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two um, work dues a year where they, you know, the whole company is invited to participate. Um, you just not, you know, you don't have to, but you get to spend time with people. When we take people on factory tours, we used to have a system where we would one person would go around and do a factory tour and tell people, you know, what each part of the factory was. Mm-hmm. And now we actually encourage the guys on the machines, the guys and ladies on the machines, to, you know, talk about what they do because they've got more knowledge about what they do. They yeah. love what they do. All right, you know, not every day. We don't love our jobs every day, but... And who does? They've got so much pride in what they do, you know, from, from the people making the envelope, handmade envelopes to people making envelopes on machines. Mm-hmm. They know how the machine works. I don't know how the machine works. What's the point of me telling people? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know the basics, but that's like saying if they came out with me, I couldn't expect them to know the ins and outs of a of a swatch. You no. know, well, that's society as a whole, isn't it? <clears throat> and also, I think it's that individual integrity in what you do and pride on yeah. it that makes the whole thing quite. You want to work with a company yeah. like that, you know? I mean, when I came down to London to you know to talk to Malcolm when, yeah. he, lived, when he was doing the orgasmatic free frame exhibition. Um, just the little toy you gave me around the show space yeah. was was fantastic, and yeah. like and and learning about the HQ in Hull and showing me the the photographic archive and that just I felt you know part of it. I was, yeah. I was excited and, and quite honest to be a part of it. And it's a really lovely thing, and therefore you want to pass that on to the next person. Mm. We get on the phone to my girlfriend and start saying, oh, "It's amazing. You're in London. You need to go and see it yourself. You'll absolutely love it." And it, and it's a real, it's a beautiful space mm. as well. So you know, to hear that that's throughout the company, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So London's kind of like our flagship shiny, shiny. Mm. I mean, it's amazing. Um, whereas if you come to Hull, it's a bit more. Well, it's it's a functional thing rather than. Yeah. You know, every everything is still done by hand. Mm. So 
from picking samples because we carry every everything in the big red brick is carried on the shelf in hall yeah so so be it a 10 sample sheets one sample sheet everything has to be picked by hand because we sell 25 sheets of the stock every order has to be picked by hand so there is none of that sort of mechanized bleep on it and the your little robot goes off and finds, and it never will be because we can't do that. Mm. That's the beauty of Smiths. Um, but then, you know, every order is then hand laminated, every order is then hand duplexed, every order is then put through a machine to get the embossings on it. You know, the papers then have to be cut to make envelopes. Mm. We've got this amazing team of people who make handmade envelopes up in Hull who they don't even crease them. But these, these, they know exactly how they fold, and we always let people have a go of making them when they go up to Hull, and it's always a disaster. <laughs> but these people have been doing it for so long, yeah. but they take pride in what they do, and every order's different. So one day you could have a thousand handmade envelopes they've got to make that are just very basic, whereas the next day you could have a tiny little bespoke envelope that yeah. they will still make with the same pride, and then they see these orders go off. And now we're really, really encouraging the outside team and, you know, the inside team to discuss, you know, where did that order go? What what was that for? Mm-hmm. And questions get asked, whereas I think a lot of companies are like, you don't need to know that information. Yeah, that disconnection can lead to, to just soullessness, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like I said, that, that does that does show on the outside, the front-facing yeah. side of it, you know. Like you say, the very fact that, you know, you, you popped in to see me when I... When I you know, got in touch when I first moved back to Manchester and mm. came and had a chat with a coffee and a, you know, it's just, that's really important and goes back to what you were saying about this resurgence in the tactile it's, it's that, you know, uh, and, and that human side to it mm. which is really vital, especially in, you know, in a company that's so uh, synced with you know, with design and the arts which are about that passion and the human and all these odd characters that make it beautiful. Yeah and we've got quite a few odd characters working for Smiths, me included um, but we're all appreciated for our individuality. Mm-hmm. So there's no set way to do what I do. You know, everybody has different relationships with different clients and different ways of presenting or, you know, we're all classed as individuals. You know, just because you're in a sector of the company doesn't mean you don't have a voice, which is really, really interesting. You do feel like you're part of a, a community. Yeah. We had Smith Fest the other week, which sounds terrible, <laughs> um, where they put on bands and music in the in the office car park in Hull. Wow. And it was awesome. It yeah. really was. I that mean, sounds it, awesome. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was amazing. And there was food, there was drink, there was a gin bar, a Prosecco bar, and they had this band on, which was amazing. And it's just little things like that, where you kind of, at first you think, oh, do I want to go and spend a night in Hull? And then you mix with people who are very like-minded, no matter what sector of the company they work for. Mm. And you just get on and have a really good time. And I think it's that investment into people and but also appreciation of what they do and their individuality, which which is basically what's in the swatch. Yeah. You know, every paper's different. It's got its own little quirks and but it all works together as a big red brick. Yeah. And by the big red brick. That's my analogy of GF Smith. Referring to the, the, the book of all the samples. Yeah. yeah. Which is a beautiful thing in its own Yeah. So yeah, so I suppose the company is very much like the papers we sell. Yeah. Can I just write that down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Send that the company yeah, roll, roll that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where, so where do you, where do you sort of find things today? Because it's really interesting that you mentioned this. The kind of I keep saying researchers, but this this it's come back to the fore. Would I be right in saying it's not in such a kind of mass produced way? Like you say, it's got a bit. It's got a, 
almost got to mean something now. It's like with the whole vinyl thing and all that. It's, yeah. It's something now that's to be appreciated and hopefully means more <clears throat> in some ways than it did when it was so common before digital. Mm. That'd be right, is that? Is, is the future good, I guess, is what I'm asking. Do you, do you I'd say things? so. And I think we open ourselves up to different audiences every day. Whereas if, you know, people ask me what I do for a job and I say I sell paper and you see them glaze over straight away because <laughs> it's kind of like, what, like toilet roll or like mm. photocopy paper? And it's like, no, 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 a beautiful paper. I sell beautiful paper. And then they look at me because I'm too excited about it. But then if you explain that, you know, if you've got a really nice business card, a really nice birthday card, a really nice wedding invite, mm -hmm. or you were opening a magazine and there was a section in the magazine that was on a different stock that felt different or looked different, it's engaged its audience, which is what graphic design is all about. Mm -hmm. But you're opening that up to an audience that never really took, never really cared about those things. Yeah. But now with the, you know, it, it all ties in together. People want things that are beautiful. We all love a bit of handcrafted stuff nowadays. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. You know, be it a rug in the lounge, a cushion, a, something, an item of clothing. Jewelry's big for people to make, but it all ties in. It's that kind of like, plus they can engage with the people, who, the makers. So you're not talking about going and buying a £500 Mulberry handbag. No offence, because, you know, they are beautiful. But people can now afford to buy things, but also be able to talk to the individual yes. that's making it. Mm -hmm. But I think that then goes through to new bands. You know, they're all putting vinyl out there, which again starts a conversation yeah. rather than downloads or just CDs, which get put in the shelf, you know, put in a cupboard. I mean, my daughter's got this beautiful collection of vinyl now, which mm -hmm. you would never. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have guessed at that going back a few years when it was, no. you know, barely, barely got limping on. No, mm. but I think it's that real interest from all generations now as to sort of like well we went to this craft fair and I bought this mm. that person would have never gone to a craft fair 10 years ago but people are almost bored with uniformity yeah you know they're bored with that you have to go to you do your shopping at Tesco's every week and that's what you do and that's it and then you go home yeah people are now sort of like getting really brave I mean my mum's 76 and she's becoming she's so independent but she's like she'll go out and buy something from something that's been handmade and she'll come home and she'll be so proud and it's yeah. like I have to watch what I say because I'm so used to that environment yeah. but it's like print fairs you know she comes to a print fair and she's like all oh, these people made all this stuff and mm. I say yeah and they're stood behind selling it themselves yeah. and there's a story you know there's, yeah. there's a story behind it and it's so lovely when you can take just in that context like a gift to someone and go yeah. Oh, it was, you know, that person got the idea away yeah. or whatever it might be. It's, it's a really lovely aspect to it and just gives it so much, you know, so many layers. Yeah, it's, really it's nice. personal. Yeah. And I think that it's now, it's hitting every generation now, whereas, you know, yes, we have the traditional sort of, oh, we just do what we do, but it's so important now to sort of show that you've put that little bit of extra. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, but I enjoy buying something very specific for people. Yeah. I enjoy seeing people sitting down with a client and talking about and them saying, well, I want this look and I want this and I want that and going through loads of different papers and getting all different samples out. Mm. And it might not be what they go with in the end, but it's that whole process where you're sitting down and it's really important to yeah. actually engage with the product and the person that you're, you're dealing with. And I think that, that, is, that is a better relationship and has more in the business world than 
people realise. For sure, and it's long lasting as well. Mm. You don't, you know, you don't. You almost thought we. It's just we all love to know that you've got yeah. that person you can rely on who's good at what they do, and, and you know it's invaluable when yeah. you we're all busy people in today's world. So that's that that heightens the value of that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, but it's just it's 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 exciting, and yeah. you know it's really important to engage with people. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. What was what? And what about the ethical side of things? Okay. How? In terms of the paper production, because obviously so we're this talking is about something... sustainability. Yeah, where, where, what's the policy there? Okay, so gosh, probably about 10 15 years ago, everybody was obsessed with recycled paper, hmm. um, but recycled paper was really bad. And now people want that really bad paper, but recycled paper is beautiful now. Um, so, oh gosh, I don't really brought it in, but all our so we don't make paper, we deal with mills who are all. Um, sustainable mm-hmm. so for instance we have a sheet called Munken which we buy from Arctic Paper in Sweden now they are very clued up on the environment and making sure that the product that they are borrowing i.e. water is um, returned to its original source oh, wow. at the same level it came out if not better so they have this big ethos of we borrow the water to make the paper because paper making is a massive percentage of water to use during the process but a lot of it goes back into the into the streams mm. so that's why most paper mills are built near the traditional paper mills were built near rivers um, one for transport but also for the powering of the and the use of water to actually make paper because when paper goes on a wire it is probably about 90% fiber to, uh, nine, 10% fiber 90% water mm. So they're all very, very clued up. So everywhere they buy pulp from um, is the same sustainability. So it's not a case of people go in and just clear woodlands. It, you know, it is what they say on the toilet roll advert that, you know, for every tree they cut down, they do plant another three. But it's a farming process. It's not just a destructive process. Mm. So different trees take different lengths of time to grow. So spruce takes a lot longer than, say, eucalyptus, or I might have that the wrong, wrong way around. There are some facts here that might be slightly dubious. <laughs> but the, the, the main story is true. Yeah. Um, so they're really clued up. So they're really keen on protecting their environment in which they're working in as well. So be that the pulp growers or be that the actual mills that make water, that make the paper. So in Sweden, they say they borrow the water. Mm. They are then um, checked on regularly by environmental agencies who make sure that the species in the rivers are growing to the same size, that there's the same amount. So say there's salmon in the rivers, they Mm. will ensure that they will check on regular intervals at certain times of the year to ensure that the species, one, are still living in that that water, but two, are still growing to the same size. You know, Mm. there's the same quantity of fish, if not more. So everybody is answerable to what they do. So whereas the, the whole conversation about going paperless... I understand that as a mass mark, as a mass production, um, but in what we do, we're so specific about what we do. Yeah. So when the paper's actually being made, um, all the water that isn't used or isn't evaporated goes straight back into the rivers. Croppers in the Lake District, there they have to be really careful, which is where colour plants made. The water that goes back again has to be of a certain um, standard because there are species living in, in their rivers that don't live anywhere else. So mm-hmm. if all of a sudden they disappear, you know, there's, there's problems. Yeah, of course. So water's a big one. Waste products, um, as in like 
used pulp or used paper all gets put back into the process again. So again, there is no waste products. I don't think anybody, we're not at zero waste by any means because I don't think it's very few companies that could be. Yeah. They're all responsible for the energy they use. So a lot of the paper mills are going back to using traditional energy or producing traditional energy that they then counteract their, their sort of carbon footprint with. So a lot of them are using biomass or water, um, hydro energy or wind power. Um, to create a sustainable energy system for themselves, or if not for themselves, they're compensating for what they use. Shipping-wise, they're very careful about, you know, counteracting any sort of carbon footprint that's caused with, mm. with that. When the paper actually comes to Smiths, because a lot of people say to well, haven't you got like lots of odd cuts and stuff like waste paper? Everything gets bundled up. The only thing they can't take is, um, and that's a lot to do with recyclable recycled plants, is the darker colours, which they can take, but they then put those into more of a, um, a disposable product, so like cardboard or yeah. things like that. Anything that is of a quality that can be recycled literally gets bundled up and sent straight back to the mill to be reused in lesser grades. But, you know, we as a company are... Even our company cars have to be of a low emissions. Mm. Um, our whole offices run on solar power. Our whole lighting system. Um, everything is, you know, we are accountable for everything. So being FSC is like a chain. So if the pulp makers are FSC, for us to then use the fact they are, we have to be. Right, I see. So, so you can't just yeah. say, oh yeah, this mill is FSC accredited. Yeah. We also have to be FSC accredited to be able to put that on anything. Right, okay, that's good. So there are a few printers that are FSC accredited now as well. So again, it's that chain of command. Mm. Um, all, our, all our waste in hull is recycled, you know, all office waste and things like that. So it's really, we're really on top of making sure, yeah, as a, as a financial thing, it's amazing because it brings costs down, mm. but also as an awareness to our environment. Yeah. So we are very, you know, we have all that information and we're more than happy to share it. It's not well, like we're a, well, yeah, this close Well, yeah, just the one you gave me that is wonderful. I know, sorry, yeah, that no, got a bit dull. No, 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 no it wasn't dull at all. Actually, it's quite, I, I love how I'm very keen environmentalist myself so yeah. it's really encouraging to hear I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that but it's, it's you know like you say about the species yeah. and the water I think it's really really quite crucial and the but, but great great to hear and then the, and the extract paper was is awesome I mean, that's yeah. a, a great story so again with the extract paper that's the same people that make colour plant which is James Cropper's up in the Lake District and they invested in the piece of kit that basically strips the plastic off the paper cups which would automatically go to landfill and it strips the plastic off, sends the plastic back into the manufacturing industry that would use it for um, insulating wires or garden furniture mm. and places like that. And then the, the paper is basically pulp again, which gets repulped and put into this amazing product called extract. One of my directors is, is hoping that, say, in five years' time, extract won't exist anymore because nobody will be using, re, you know, nobody will be using throwaway cups anymore. Mm. Everybody will have these you know keep cups that they take in so you know it's a small start but it's a product that has an amazing story behind it and, and just great initiative to show that actually if we get our act together and, and think about this it can be done and, and it's you know and what, and what a great way to um to get another result out of it yeah you know it's very very forward thinking yeah it's great so 
Yeah, I hope that's the case and can see more great ideas coming yeah, from that also. But I've noticed more and more, especially at the packaging exhibition last week, and more and more people are asking a lot more uh, questions about recycling, mm. um, which I haven't heard in quite a few years. You know, we produce, we don't sell very much recycled paper. You know, a lot of our papers have some new fibre put in them. Um, because that's just not our marketplace because our, our papers it's so important about the quality of fibre that goes into the paper mm. that creates like a jigsaw that gives the quality of paper that will then print well and you know give you the end result um, people are just very you know sort of clued up on that again and I think that's a younger generation that you know are, are sort of seeing what's going on in the world and you know yeah. caring about sustainability and caring about waste so I was asked if, um, when paper's been foiled, is it recyclable? And I would have said no, because the foil is not a recycle, you know, you cannot recycle the foil, and it's on the paper. Yeah. But apparently when you put paper that's got foil on it back into the system, the foil into the pulping system, the foil actually raises to the surface when it's separated from the paper, oh. and they just, like, scoop it off. Oh, OK. So, again, it's questions that right, I okay. didn't know. Yeah, there's a lot more. Um, yeah, there's a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> wow, brilliant. Well, so what's going... Is there anything exciting coming up? I mean, you guys have been doing a lot of building exhibition stuff. It's great. You know, that yeah. Um, so we've just launched Colour Plan Label Stock. So we now sell sticky paper. Nice. Um, so 15 colours of colour plant are now available in a label stock, which is means it can be used for, you know, um, distilleries or the whiskey market, you know, or just for packaging and things mm. like that. We're also producing little labels to run alongside. So we launched that last week at Packaging Innovations. Um, we're going to bring it to Design Manchester, of course, because that's a big part of my annual year. You know, it's important for the community and you know what I do um, so yeah so that's the first sort of thing um, we're going to be doing a new big collection because some products have gone we might have some new products to add to it so again I think that will be next year so there's always always stuff mm. always stuff happening at Smith's <laughs> brilliant well that, that's, I, mean, I think I've covered just about everything that's awesome and uh, really fascinating yeah that analogy yeah. of a Beautiful swan, all graceful and beautiful on the surface with manic legs underneath. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It's not chaos. It's just hard work. Well, God, with all the things that you're doing, I couldn't be in it any other way. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I love it. I yeah. love you know. I love my job. Yeah. Which I feel really proud to be able to say because I don't think there are a lot of people at my age mm. who sit there and go, "Do you know what? I actually love my job." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, sadly. Yeah, but I, I'm sure it'll inspire a few. <laughs> <laughs> Very doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again and uh, congrats on the promotion. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, as I mentioned at the top of the show, to Jane Crowther and GF Smith for their lovely hospitality for the papers for this upcoming marketing campaign that you might have seen on the social channels recently. It's all going to come to fruition very soon. We're hoping to exhibit some of this at Design Manchester with the GF, GF Smith stand. Um, I couldn't do the show without the support of people like these guys and Jane uh, and the regular sponsors. So the Association of Illustrators, Heart Internet and IllustrationWeb.com in reverse order of people who came on board. Awful. Such good loyal support and really important. 
as is the listenership from you guys. So thank you. Please do continue to spread the word. Tell a mate, tell a, somebody on your course about the show if you know about it. Don't be holding it secret because I'm putting it out there for free thanks to these sponsors so that you guys can hopefully pick up some stories from all these amazing minds that I'm, I've given the privilege of talking to. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed the show. Like I say, get us your feedback, please, on the social at Arrest All Mimics on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. doesn't matter which one. Checking them all out pretty regular. Uh, let us know what you've been up to. Let me know if you've got a story. Who do you want to hear from? Do you want to be on the show? Let me know why. If there's a story, I can't promise it, but I will have a conversation and see if we can find an angle. So keep the requests coming. Um, cheers, guys. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We've got some awesome guests coming up. We've got Jim Sutherland, Studio Sutherland coming up, uh, among many others. So do keep listening. Subscribe on the iTunes. Please drop us a little review if you get a second. Listen on the Stitcher Podcasts. Or on the original SoundCloud. Get your subscription up there. We're approaching 1,000, not too far off now, which is a, a nice milestone coming up. So thank you again to the loyal listeners and newcomers. Welcome. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. See you later.